So 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness uh, of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Uh, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, Make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, and, if you, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Pray for each of us now as we look at your word, as we look at 2 Peter. Lord, thank you for the life that you've given us in Jesus. And while we wait for his, his return, Lord, please help us to keep growing in our knowledge of, of him. And please help us to be growing in godliness too, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, it's school holidays. The passage in front of us, I don't need to beat around the bush. It's nice and simple and straightforward. This is Simon Peter, the apostle, um, writing to Christians when he knows that he's got limited time left on this earth. Limited time in his body. And so he's driven to ensure that Christians are productive in their knowledge of the gospel, in their knowledge of Jesus. He writes so that he will be reminding us as Christians to bear fruit, to live out what you believe in your life. Peter reminds us that we have everything that we need for life and for godliness simply through knowing Jesus. Through knowing Jesus, you have everything. You don't need any more. And so he urges us to be fruitful in our knowledge of Jesus. This reminder, it's written to Christians. So if you look at chapter 1, verse 1, so 2 Peter 1, verse 1, first verse, Simon Peter, a servant, or yours might say a slave, a servant or a slave, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who through the righteousness of God and, and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. A faith as precious as ours. He's writing to Christians. Faith as precious as ours, or more literally, a faith of equal standing as ours. He's saying, you're with us. You're on board with us. We're, we're the same. We're Christians. I'm thinking a little bit more about the context. If you go down to chapter 3, we didn't have this read for us, and look at verse 1, he tells us why he's writing. So 3 verse 1 says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. He's writing to remind, to refresh your memory, to make sure that you don't forget. And he's writing a purposeful letter to stimulate our thought, our thinking. Um, we've been looking through 1 Peter at church. 
and in Bible study, and the kids have been looking at it. 1 Peter, when you look at the, the first verse of it, it says it's addressed to God's elect, God's special people, aliens and strangers scattered throughout. It mentions Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Christians spread throughout the world. Um, 2 Peter is his second reminder letter to these Christians. Then still thinking a little bit more about this letter and its context, just run your eyes down a bit further, 3 verse 17. 3 verse 17, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. So here he is, Simon Peter, writing to Christians scattered around the place, saying, stand firm, and you look at that verse I just read and you realise actually there's a risk they'll be distracted by error. I'm guessing there's a risk they'll be distracted by false teaching, wrong thinking. So 2 Peter is a reminder letter to Christians, making sure we're on track, that we don't get distracted. A little bit more about context. Now come back to chapter 1 where we started and just run your eyes into next week's passage, Steve Young's passage. I won't even be here so he can say what he likes, but look at verse 12. It says, so I'll always remind you of these things or these qualities, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me and I'll make every effort to see that after my departure you'll always be able to remember these things. All those little bits we've looked at, throw it all together and you've got the picture. We're looking at a purposeful letter written to Christians, written by Simon Peter, the apostle, when he knows his time is nearly up. He's writing because he wants to make sure that we finish well too. He wants to finish well. He wants to make sure that we do as well. He's not saying anything new. You don't need to expect anything new here. He's reminding us of stuff in verse 12. He's refreshing our memory in verse 13 because he knows there's a risk that we'll be led astray by error. Um, I'm sure you've noticed how as people get older, they start repeating themselves. I'm sure you notice that as we get older, we start repeating ourselves. It's like that. You don't even know you've done it. If you can't see it in yourself, of course you wouldn't, you can see it in your parents, can't you? Or your grandparents. Or like we did in our neighbour next door who had five stories that he'd tell. And each time I'd get into a conversation with him, I'd think, mm, which one's it going to be? Do I pull in? Do I have I got time for number five? Peter's not doing that. He's not just repeating himself out of forgetfulness. Simon Peter, the servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, he's not losing his marbles. He's purposefully reminding us, telling us things we should already know, telling us things we probably do already know, reframing it, reshaping it, making sure that we know it nice and clear so that it will make a difference in the way that we live. Not only does Peter want to finish well, but he wants Christians who read this letter to finish well too. And so where we finish up today is in verse 10 and 11. Have a look at it. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He wants us to finish well as Christians. He doesn't want just his life to count. He wants our life to count too. So with that kind of big introduction to 
a, a few short verses, come back up to the top again and see how this will refresh our minds and remind us of things we should already know. Um, the reminder begins by saying it's in our knowledge of Jesus that we have everything. It's through knowing Jesus we have everything we need for life and for godliness. We have everything we need in our knowledge of Jesus. We don't need anything else. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Um, knowing Jesus, the knowledge of God, it's rich, it overflows. Keep reading verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. You have everything you need in knowing Jesus, everything you need for life and godliness. And as we read on, we hear the exhortation not to squander that knowledge. Um, you'll see that in verse 8. We need to be productive or bearing fruit. Um, before we come to that, though, verse 4 goes on. Through these, I take it it's talking about God's glory and goodness. He's given us his very great and precious promises. I take it knowledge of Jesus. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. It's a long sentence, but being a follower of Jesus, belonging to Jesus means you're basically you're adopted into God's family. You're participating in the divine nature. You're part of God's family. And we escape the corruption of this world. We don't belong in this world anymore. If you look down to verse 11, we're also looking forward to a rich welcome uh, when Jesus re returns. And you look at this, yes, you're not hearing anything new. If you've been around church for a little while, you know these things. This is just the reminder, making it nice and clear. It's the refresher. Um, it's a purposeful reminder from an apostle who's coming to the end of his life. Wanting to make sure that we live out all the truth that we have in Jesus. And when you let it sink in, you, you look around you, think about your neighbours, think about the people you spend your week with at work or at school or at uni. In Australia, we, we have all sorts of blessings. We have so much going for us that we just take it for granted. But then when you look around you with Christian eyes, you look around and you realise, actually, we're surrounded by people who are poor, living in poverty. Can you see the poverty all around you? People who just don't know Jesus, just don't have everything they need to really live. And so in our, in our city, in our suburb, in your street, in your family, as everyone rushes around chasing after this and that, looking like they've got everything in the world, when Jesus returns, most of them will have nothing. When you um, read through Acts uh, in the New Testament, you come to Acts chapter 17, and the Apostle Paul is distressed as he looks around Athens. He looks around the city of Athens. He's distressed at what he sees because he sees a city of idols, people chasing after all sorts of false gods. Well, I'm thinking that's our city too, isn't it? So as Christians, we live as aliens in this world. We belong to God. We're his special people. We're, we're living with our real home, heaven yet to come. We're living in the, the waiting kind of period. Each one of us here, as we've responded to the gospel of Jesus, we're rich in every way. You have everything you need for life. We've been privileged to be able to hear the gospel of Jesus and respond, and so we're rich. And 
all we need to do to keep growing in that knowledge is to open the Bible and keep asking God to speak to us. We're blessed not because of our material wealth, but we're blessed because of our knowledge of Jesus. And I think that's the first part of the reminder from the apostle who knows he's got limited time. It's the knowledge of Jesus that provides all that we need for life and godliness. It's everything. Don't get distracted by um, people with a Christian culture telling you you need extra things as a Christian. And when I was growing up as a kid, it was the second blessing. You had to have the second blessing to be a real, genuine Christian. I'm looking at this passage and thinking, no, you don't. You need to know Jesus. You've got everything. Second part of this reminder is to make the most of what we've been given, to make it count. So not to be ineffective or unfruitful or unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus. So in verses 5 and 6, we're given seven qualities that we should be working on. You work on these seven qualities and you won't be unfruitful. You won't be unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus. Um, We'll look at the seven qualities in just a second. Just skip over them for a bit. Look at verse 8. This is where we're heading. Verse 8 says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive or unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have everything we need in the knowledge of Jesus. Keep adding these qualities and you'll be fruitful in what you know of Jesus. We don't want to be unfruitful. Verse 9 goes, but whoever does not have them, these qualities, I take it, is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. It's so frustrating when you see a spoilt child who doesn't appreciate all that's been done for them. Verse 9 is saying, don't be like that. Or when you see someone who's talented, just leaving their abilities go to waste. It's saying, don't be like that. Keep adding these qualities. Um, Peter's telling us, We have everything we need through our knowledge of Jesus, so make it count. So now look at those seven qualities that he says we should add. So verse 5 says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. That's number one. Add to goodness knowledge. Add to knowledge self-control. Add to self-control perseverance. Add to perseverance godliness. Add to godliness mutual affection or brotherly love or brotherly kindness and to um, mutual affection, love. Look back up over that list. I don't think it's a progressive list. I don't think it's saying get one right, tick it off, move on to the next. I don't think it's working like that. It's not saying add one, sign off, um, then add the next, sign off. It's not like that. Verse 8 says we want to possess these qualities in increasing measure, so you can keep working on them. I also don't think this is a list um, that's in order of importance. I don't think it's working that way. You'd be battling to argue that one's more important than the other. And I don't think, as you look at these seven things, I don't think it's an exhaustive list. When you think about the rest of the New Testament, we're also told um, to be content. Then there's a fruit of the Spirit. There's joy. um, There's patience. There's forgiveness. There's generosity. There's all these other qualities we should have as Christians. And to be honest, when I look at these seven, I'm not sure why he stopped there, why he picked these ones out. And then when you look at these seven qualities, I puzzle a bit over the difference between love and brotherly kindness or mutual affection. And I puzzle over the difference between goodness and godliness. But I do notice he's picked seven. And I wonder if that's just the thing you do. Seven's that good number, that complete number. And then I think, well, rather than ponder why he chose these seven, how about we actually try to work on these qualities and do what he says? And so with that in mind, seven of them, seven days in the week, hey, 
You could work on one of these each day of the week. It's been done before. So let's have a look at them again. Goodness. That's the first one. Or, you know, how do you think about that moral excellence? Um, how do you go about adding that to your faith? It takes effort to be more good, doesn't it? I want to say it takes effort to be more godly. We know that being more good or more godly doesn't make us a better Christian. But it certainly shows you understand all that God's done for you. It shows gratitude. And it's appropriate to keep growing in goodness or godliness. And I also think it's a bit like riding a bike. You know, you keep pedalling and you're not going to fall over. You stop pedalling and unless you're one of those lycra-wearing people, you, you do fall over. Goodness. Keep thinking about that. How, how are you going to add goodness? How are you going to work on that? The next one is knowledge. And when you look at this thing, yeah, this is circular. We've got everything we, we need through knowing Jesus, so keep adding or keep working on knowledge. It's circular, but it works. There's always more you can learn about God and about his mercy to us in Jesus. There's always more you can learn about our sinful nature. So keep reading your Bible. Keep taking notes during the sermon, even when the preacher gives you the wrong sermon outline. Keep asking questions in growth group and digging a bit deeper. Keep reading the Bible for yourself. Keep being thirsty to understand more about the gospel of Jesus. So goodness, knowledge. The third one, self-control. How do you work on self-control? We've looked at that over the last few weeks in 1 Peter at least three times. It comes up in 1 Peter 1 verse 13. It comes up in 1 Peter 4 verse 7. 1 Peter 5 verse 8. You know that passage talks about girding up your loins? That's what it takes to build self-control. Um, girding up the loins of your mind, it's that passage. Or the one that says, um, be self-controlled so that nothing hinders your prayers. Or the one that says, don't be ensnared by the devil, the lion prowling around. It's this combination of working on your, the knowledge in your mind, but also making your actions conform with what you know. Self-control, this sort of idea. Um, kind of feeding your mind and letting that control your actions. And then you've got the fourth quality, perseverance. Let's not um, get bogged down on perseverance, hey. That's not how that works. If you persevere at anything, it's a good quality. And how much more important to persevere at being godly. Keep persevering through the tough times. Keep trusting. Keep living for heaven, knowing that's where you're heading. And then you come to number five, and here the circularness comes back around. Godliness. It's similar to goodness, surely. Keep working on being godly. Sixth one is brotherly kindness or mutual affection. If each one of us were adding a little of that to our life, everyone around will benefit as we show love for each other. And Jesus even said, um, people will know that you're my, dis my disciples by your love for each other. So keep working on the way that you treat each other. Think back to some of the stuff you saw in 1 Peter. Think back to Ephesians, bearing with one another. Um, in 1 Peter is that idea of showing hospitality without grumbling. Peter knows that we can find it hard to show brotherly kindness or uh, mutual affection. And then the seventh one is love. Time and time again in the New Testament and in 1 Peter, we're exhorted to love one another, to love your enemies even. Um, overall virtues you put on love. And then you look back up through these seven and growing in all these qualities is what we need to do as Christians.
as people who know Jesus, as people who have everything that we need for life and godliness. And then as you think about adding these qualities to your life, you realize you don't need to change where you live to work on these qualities, do you? You don't need to wait until you move somewhere. You don't need to change your job to work on these qualities. You don't need to change your family to work on these qualities. You don't need to change your status, like get married or have kids or get an education or get your pee plates to be working on these qualities. And you don't have to wait till tomorrow. You can work on them today. You can work on each of these things in the stage of life that you're at even now. You can start today. However, as you look at these qualities again, and if we are going to add them with increasing measure, then yes, we will be changing. As you add these qualities, the way you spend your time will change. It has to change. The way you spend your resources and your wealth will change. The way you speak to others will change. The things you do are going to change. The way you act is going to change. These qualities, they don't make you Christian but they show that you're Christian and they show that you understand the gospel. And what I want you to notice is that Simon Peter, the apostle and servant of Jesus Christ who has limited time on earth, is driven to ensure that we are not unproductive in our knowledge of Jesus and so he lists off these seven qualities so that we'll learn to bear fruit. He wants us to make our faith in Jesus count. He wants us to keep growing. Um, most of what uh, we've said or, or what I've said so far, kind of, you, you can think of it as individuals, as yourself and where you're at. But we should also be thinking about ourselves as a church as well, as a gathering of Christians. Um, we've been reminded again of the importance of the knowledge of Jesus. It's through knowing Jesus that we have everything that we need for life. Um, next week and in coming weeks, we'll be reminded of the danger of false teaching. So we say we want to be a Bible teaching church, and we do. But that only works if each of us, as individuals in this church, are reading the Bible, thinking about what it says, and applying it to our lives. Um, it's as we grow in our knowledge of God that our behaviour changes. And so that's who we want to be as a church. We want to be helping each other do that. Um, and for that to happen, yeah, reading the Bible is important. Um, listening to sermons in church is important. Being part of a growth group where you can ask your own questions and interact with each other is extremely important. Reading the Bible one-to-one or one-on-one, praying together. Teaching the kids in KPC Kids and in youth group. If you're a parent then, or if you have grandkids at home, then playing your part as a, a father or mother or a grandparent, making sure that you're feeding your kids with the knowledge of God. As we focus on growing our knowledge of Jesus, what about those around us who are living in poverty as far as Christianity goes? What about your friend at work who you've completed all those projects with over the time, but you haven't actually told them you're a Christian? I remember when, um, when I said I was quitting work um, to train for ministry, that was when Christians came out of the woodwork. It's the way we tend to be, but we shouldn't. Let's keep growing at being fruitful and productive in our knowledge of Jesus and in sharing 
our knowledge of Jesus with others too. Um, we know that as a church we are rich beyond all measure. We have everything that we need for life and godliness. So let's be productive. And perhaps one of the ways we can do that is by praying. Um, so why don't I pray for us now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the extremely privileged position you've put us in. Thank you that each one of us here have had the opportunity to hear about Jesus. Lord, please be at work in our hearts. Please work by your Spirit, softening our hearts. Please keep changing us so that we will be living with Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour. And Lord, please help us to keep growing and be more fruitful in our knowledge of Jesus. We pray that as a church that we'd be helping each other in these things. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.